We're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy tonight, if you'll be finding that in your Bible. 2 Timothy. Good to have Spike and Janice Huff with us tonight. We go way back. Spike and I worked together uh, before I was full-time here in the church. We worked together, and we've known each other. Some of y'all wouldn't know Spike, but he uh, retired from uh, the sheriff's department some years ago, and they're the ones that have this uh, hoot nanny right over here across the road. And uh, Janice is uh, Rhonda's dulcimer teacher. So when I saw him, I said, Spike, I'm so glad y'all came to hear me preach. He said, we came to hear her play. So, not just exactly like that, but they love the Lord, Spike and Janice, and they've been good friends for a long time. We appreciate them very, very much. Let's come on in and find our place. Good to see y'all. Hope you've had a good Christmas with your friends and family and however you celebrate it. I was telling the teenagers out in the foyer today, I asked Rhonda, what do, you, what do you got for me for Christmas this year? And she said, me, I give you me. <laughs> I said, that's exactly what I wanted. So anyway, we've had a good Christmas with our family. Second Timothy chapter 1. Let's stand together for a moment, read these scriptures, and get right into the message tonight. This is Paul's second letter to Timothy in verse 2 of chapter 1. Paul says to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. In the book of Philippians, Paul said about Timothy, I have no man like-minded as Timothy is. He was... He knew Paul better than anybody knew Paul. This is not just Paul's second letter to Timothy. This is Paul's last letter. Soon after this, he would be killed in a Roman prison, the Order of Nero. So he's writing this letter to Timothy, very precious letter. But verse 15, he says this. <clears throat> this thou knowest, to Timothy, this thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, he says to Timothy, thou knowest very well. So we're going to talk a little bit tonight about this man, Onesiphorus. He's only mentioned twice in the Bible. Both of them are in this particular 
book and Paul gives us everything that God intended for us to know about him. And so we're going to look at it together tonight. Our Father, we thank you again for your word and for what it means to us. Father, it's a great gift that we have. We thank you that we can gather together like this, open up the Bible in a free country, study the Bible together, learn together, grow in grace together, sing praises together. What a blessed people we are. God, I pray that tonight you would help us not just to know more about Anissa Forrest, but I help you, hope you'd help us or help you give us the insight to know how to apply the principles that we find here. Father, we live around people who need what Anissa Forrest provided for Paul. And so I pray that you would encourage us. I pray you'd challenge us. And I pray tonight, if there be those in our midst that are not saved, have never been born again, that the Spirit of God would work in their hearts tonight, bring conviction and an awareness of their need for salvation. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to focus on a phrase in verse 16 where it talks about Onesiphorus and it says this, Paul writing, He oft refreshed me. Onesiphorus oft, often, numerous times, more than a few times I'm sure, refreshed Paul. Now as I said earlier, he's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. And if you in our text that we're looking at here in verse uh, 16, uh, it says that, that he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain, but, would, but when he was in Rome, he sought me out. So Onesiphorus visited Paul, we know, in Rome. The last part of verse 18 says, And how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So we, we know that he was at the same place that Paul was on two occasions. One was in Rome, one was in Ephesus. Now, Paul, we know, visited Ephesus in the third missionary journey and spent longer there than perhaps any other place in the Bible. And probably it was during that time that he was acquainted with Anisiphorus. Um, so, but also he, he ministered to Paul in Rome. We heard this morning as uh, Brother Jedediah was teaching in the Sunday school hour about Paul's prison epistles, how he wrote letters when he was in prison. And he writes this letter here, Second Timothy writes from prison. Onesiphorus visited him, Paul, in Rome where he was in prison. Now just put yourself in this place. Paul was in a very dark place. He's... He's in this uh, Roman prison and he couldn't help but feel a little bit abandoned or forsaken. Verse 15, he says this to Timothy. Look there with me, please, if you would. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Now, that's a painful thing for me to consider. Asia was the region where Ephesus was, but also places like Philadelphia and Laodicea, and those places were in Asia. 
All they in Asia, he said, have turned away from me. I'm saying this is a dark place. Paul is in prison. He names two of those that abandoned him. Phygelus in verse 15 and Hermogenes. It doesn't tell us what had happened. If you turn the Bible and your Bible a page or two to the right, look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is near the end of his last epistle, the last words that Paul will write. He says in verse 10 of chapter 4, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. That's not the only time Demas is mentioned, but it's the time he's most famous for. At one time, Demas was a co-laborer with Paul. They, they served the Lord together. And now, as he's writing in the twilight of his life, as he knows his days are numbered, he brings up Demas, who's left him, Loving this present world, forsaken me is the word he used. But also in verse 10, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, Crescents to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Those people hadn't forsaken him, but they left him in travels to minister in other places. And then in verse 11 of chapter 4, Paul says, Only Luke is with me. I say all that to say, Paul was in a difficult place. He was in a Roman prison. He knows he's about to die. And he's telling Timothy about those who've turned away from him. By the way, back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. It's important, I think, to note that this was common knowledge to Timothy. In verse 15, this thou knowest, Timothy, you know this, how that all those in Asia be turned away from me. Timothy himself was a pastor in Asia. He pastored the church in Ephesus. And so he's, he was very well aware of the fact that all these friends had betrayed the Apostle Paul. But there was one man who did not betray him. There was a man who traveled from Ephesus to Rome to see Paul. His name was Onesiphorus. He was a friend to the Apostle Paul. Now, I want you to just think with me for a moment about just the challenge of making this happen. Onesiphorus lived in Asia in the city of Ephesus. And if you were, if you were looking at a, a map and you're looking at where Ephesus is, you'd travel across Asia and then you would get to the Aegean Sea, you'd cross the Aegean Sea and you'd go through what is now commonly known as uh, Greece, it was then called Achaia, and then you'd travel by water again to get to Italy, and Rome is in Italy. As the crow flies, if you made a, a direct line from Ephesus to um, Rome, it would be 800 miles. But you, he, didn't get to, he didn't have frequent flyer advantage. He didn't fly. It was all by ship or by walking he made this 800-mile journey, or it's estimated it's over 1,200 miles when you figure in going by foot and going by ship. So how long would it take to travel? We don't know that. But I generally estimate that a person staying pretty steady and working at it could travel about 20 miles a day. 20 miles a day, you're traveling 1,200 miles so you're traveling at least two months, 60 days. 60 days he traveled, at least, depending on catching a boat and all the things that went into that. And 
so that he could so he could go for one express purpose, and that was to encourage the Apostle Paul. Have you ever felt compelled to go to someone that was struggling in order to try to encourage them, to give them uh, some help, lift them up, encourage them? I was, I was preparing this message. I was thinking one time when my wife and I uh, drove over 800 miles one way to visit a preacher that I love dearly who was going through a dark time in his life. And I just couldn't handle knowing how much he was hurting and nobody around him was helping him. Well, that's, for us, that's about a 12-hour drive if we push it pretty hard. And that's not convenient. I mean, to drive 12 miles one way is not necessarily convenient. But think about walking and sailing for months, for months, in a difficult place, in difficult terrain. The name Onesiphorus, I think, is interesting. The name actually means profit-bearing or helpful or useful. Now, the Bible says in verse 18, let's keep looking at this text. In verse 18, the Lord grant unto him, talking about Onesiphorus, that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things, notice this, and how many things he ministered, past tense, unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Who knows? Timothy. Timothy knew. Timothy was there in Ephesus. Timothy knew how much that he had assisted Paul. He faithfully ministered to him. The word refreshed, it says in verse 16, he oft refreshed me. The word Refreshed means to give encouragement or to revive. It's the word that would be used if you were really thirsty in a barren place, in a hot place, and you just are so thirsty and you got a drink of cool water and it just refreshed you. It's an interesting thing. I'm not going to go through it tonight, but I found it fascinating that Paul used the word refreshed seven different times in his writings. In describing a small group of people that were used to refresh him. There's several things about that that I think are very interesting. And one thing about it that's very interesting is that I'm persuaded just by my own experience that a lot of people, if they knew Paul, they would think, why, well, Paul doesn't need encouragement. Paul has revelation directly from God. Paul is being used to write most of our Bible. Paul's been greatly used. Paul doesn't need any encouragement, and yet Paul, seven different times, named people that God used to refresh him. It's, refreshing is the act of helping to strengthen a person. You know, we heard this morning in Sunday school, and it's very true, that it takes God to strengthen us on the inside. And we ought to pray for people to be strengthened in their inner man. But one of the things that God uses to refresh people is other people. This is in our Bible. Onesiphorus had repeatedly refreshed him. Look what it says in verse 18. How many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Thou knowest right well. 
Now, we don't know why Paul uh, Onesiphorus did this. Let's just think about it tonight. Why did he do this? Why would he do that? Why would he travel such a long distance? And I'm thinking I'm, that he probably considered himself indebted to Paul. I mean, he's from Ephesus. God used Paul to bring the gospel to Ephesus. The church in Ephesus, which was a strong, vital church, the church in Ephesus was the fruit of Paul's ministry that church probably felt an obligation or a, some kind of a sense of, you know, to duty to help this missionary evangelist. So it's an interesting thing when you look about it. Look at it. Paul, Paul ministered to, Ephesus, uh, to Onesiphorus when he was in Ephesus, and Onesiphorus ministered unto Paul. Isn't that an interesting thing? You know, the, the ministry goes both ways. It's not just one way. It goes both ways. And later, after he was in Ephesus, he made this arduous trip to Rome to give aid to Paul. If you look in verse 17, it tells us that finding Paul was not an easy task. Verse 17 says, But when he was in Rome, when Onesiphorus was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Now, we don't know how long that took. We don't know what was involved. It wasn't like it is now. You couldn't just get a phone call or where are you at? I'll meet you at the Starbucks or whatever the case might be. But whatever it took, he, sought, he searched him out, sought me out, verse 17 says, very diligently and found me. This was not, by the way, the same kind of jail that Paul had been in. We, when you read about Paul being incarcerated at Caesarea and other places... Uh, he had better accommodations. He, he was actually able to have liberty to have guests come. But, but this was like a dungeon, they say, in Rome. Rome was not friendly at this time toward believers. Nero was the emperor. And Christians were being burned, thrown to the lions by Nero. It wasn't an interesting place to be. Onesiphorus went to Rome when probably Christians were trying to do everything they could to get out of Rome. But Onesiphorus went to Rome. He didn't go on a holiday. He didn't go on a vacation. My wife and I spent two days in Rome once. We had a stayover, a layover while we were, had flown to Europe. And we saw a lot of interesting sites. We saw the catacombs, places where famous for believers being in hiding. But Onesiphorus wasn't going to Rome for vacation to see the sights. He wasn't going to Rome because it was an easy place to be. It was a difficult place to be. As I said, Nero was notorious for the way he treated Christians. But when he got there, he couldn't find Paul. But it says in verse 17, in very detailed language, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Another thing that's interesting about Onesiphorus, if you look in verse 16, he says, The Lord have mercy under the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Some people were ashamed. People were ashamed of Paul because he was in jail. They were ashamed because he was, uh, and really one of the worst, he, it was like capital punishment, really. He's going he's gonna to die while he's there. People think that he was manacled to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. Imagine that, living in that kind of situation. 
And others, because of this, it's very plain and clear in his scripture, because of this, some of those that Paul should have been able to rely upon were ashamed of him. It'd be a terrible thing to be ashamed of Paul, wouldn't it? So it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time because he's in jail. It's a difficult time because he's near the end of his life. It's a difficult time made more difficult because of friends that had abandoned him in this dark time of his life. But Onesiphorus was not a deserter. He was a faithful friend to Paul. When he writes this letter here in verse 17, referring to Onesiphorus, Paul said, when he was in Rome... Now, Paul is in Rome when he writes this. Onesiphorus had been to Rome, but he was no longer there. We don't know where he was. We're not, we're not intended to know. Maybe he was traveling back to Ephesus, but it's not important. But in writing this, Paul was certain that the Lord would reward Onesiphorus openly. Look in verse 18. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, he was confident that the Lord would reward him for his faithfulness and his friendship. And it even talks about the family. Look in verse 16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. Not just Onesiphorus. Not just that he would be rewarded or blessed, but that his house, his family, those of his household. No doubt the family of Onesiphorus suffered just like Onesiphorus sacrificed. For one thing, they remained in Ephesus. He traveled a long way. Imagine, wife, if your husband said to you, I just feel like I need to go see Paul. Well, how long have you been gone? Well, I don't know. Months, maybe a year. So the family, you can see how the family would be impacted by his decision to make this gesture, this trip to help the apostle Paul. So they were willing to stay at home and he was willing to leave his family for this time to help someone in need. I love the language of verse 18 when the Lord when uses Paul to write, the Lord grant unto him that he might find mercy of the Lord in that day. He wasn't promising Onesiphorus a reward. He was just stating something that he had confidence that God would bless him. By the way, I believe God blesses those who try to be a blessing to other people. So tonight, I want us just to take this man, this biographical sketch of a person that doesn't really have a lot of attention in the Bible and use him to speak for just a few moments about the ministry of encouragement. He's a good example of that. Because I'll tell you, there's a great need for people to be more like Onesiphorus was. People who are willing to search out those who need encouragement. You know, to refresh others, you've got to reach out to others. To, to refresh others, you've got to break out of your comfort zone sometimes. Last night was a a great night in my life, a memorable night in my life. For the first time ever, I watched It's a Wonderful Life all the way through. Just makes me want to tear up thinking about it. 
How many of you have never seen It's a Wonderful Wife? I mean, life. In the beginning of the movie, there's a senior angel that says to Clarence, who's, who's an angel with special needs, this senior angel, in case you don't know this, said to Clarence, there's a man down on earth who needs our help. And Clarence replied, splendid, is he sick? And the senior angel said, no, worse, he's discouraged. There are a lot of people that get discouraged. If we'd be honest with, us, with ourselves, everybody gets discouraged every once in a while. People were deserting Paul when he was in a bad place. If you've ever needed encouragement and someone was an Onesiphorus to you, you know what encouragement can mean. In another place, Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. Think about these words. I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. I'm glad at their coming, Paul writes, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit. Wouldn't it be something to think that you could refresh the spirit of someone like the Apostle Paul? Again, I have to say this because I think it gets overlooked. I think there are a lot of people who would be Christians, read their Bible regularly, but never would dawn on them that people even like Paul, people like Paul need refreshing. And every leader, every pastor who ministers to others benefits from those who minister to them. Onesiphorus endured great inconveniences. I'm sure he endured possible dangers. Just thinking about the atmosphere, the climate in which he made this, this trip, to be a refresher. I don't know what keeps us, and I put myself in that, I don't know what keeps us from stepping out of our comfort zone more to encourage others, but sometimes I think we just get too wrapped up in ourselves, too wrapped up in our fears may be afraid of how people might respond to us. So I want to ask you tonight, who do you know? Who do you know who needs an Onesiphorus? Who do you know that could use a word of encouragement? And my goal tonight is just to challenge us all with this possibility. Couldn't we just determine maybe with God's help that we would be better encouragers to other people? God rewards those who minister to people in their time of need. We don't know exactly for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. It may have been Paul. But Hebrews chapter 6 says this, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name 
and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. This matter of Paul saying to Timothy, I'm trusting Timothy. You know how much he helped me at Ephesus and I'm trusting that God's going to reward him but the writer of Hebrews says God would be unrighteous not to not if he would forget or not to remember those who've ministered to the saints and do minister. I'm often encouraged just to see people in our church who reach out to encourage other people, minister to other people, help other people. It's, it's what we ought to do. It's what we should do. It's what God wants us to do. I had a man come to the office this week. I'll tell you who it was. Unannounced, came in and I don't know if I was busy and I wasn't and didn't do anything but just walk around the desk and give me a hug. Say, I appreciate you. You know what? Things like that go a long ways to help people. And everybody needs it. If Paul needed it, you need it. We need it. And this would be a good New Year's goal for us individually, personally, just to think. I would like to think that you would remember Onesiphorus. You don't have to remember his name. Maybe one of you would, next time you have a little boy, you could name him that. Would help us all remember Onesiphorus. No. He would need encouraging a lot if you did that. The word means one who brings help, a profit bearer, someone who's going to make things better just by being there. Wouldn't that be a good goal this year, in the new year? Lord, as I go through this year, I want to be more aware of people that might just need a word of encouragement. By the way, it doesn't have to be anybody in church, though it's good to do it in church. It may be the person that waits on you at a restaurant or someone who lives near you, or somebody in a, your distant family, or a relative, or whatever the case might be. He oft, Paul said, he oft refreshed me. He didn't just do it once. It was a way of life for him. Let's bow our heads together tonight for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, I have preached intentionally to Christians, to believers. But you may be here tonight and you're not a believer. You're not a Christian. You've never been born again. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. If you don't know Him, you could come to him tonight we're here to help you we can't save anybody I can't save people the church can't save people but Jesus can save and we'll be here to help you and could be tonight that you can see the need in your own life the need to be more conscious of people that maybe could use a word of encouragement. 
Would you just ask the Lord tonight, Lord, help me to help others. Our Father, as we pray this evening, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the people we get to know in the Bible and the things we get to know about them. And Father, we know that in getting to know them, we get to know ourselves. Lord, help us tonight to be more like Anissa Forrest. We thank you for those who encourage us. I'm sure most of us recognize the value of those like Anissa Forrest. Help us to appreciate them, but also help us to be that for others.